Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $25, get $50 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Chris and Bo will open the show with a little weekend recap from the Army-Navy game and talk Patriots-Cardinals, the Kyler injury, and what the Cardinals can do from here on out. Chris and Ryan cover some NFL topics, talk the Steelers' outlook for this season and beyond. Mike Tomlin is an NFL head coach. What makes him so special and likable among players? Ryan's time in Pittsburgh with Antonio Brown, Big Ben. Why you think Urban Meyer failed in the NFL and Ryan's transition to podcasting after his football career. Ryan also talks about his freak injury and the intense rehab that he had to go through. Y'all enjoy this show and we'll see you Thursday for AMP at 4.30 p.m. Y'all enjoy. I think is a real treat for you today. Uh, Ryan Shazier is going to be joining the pod. I really like Ryan. Never met him before. Always admired him from a distance. Um, everything he's been through. Obviously, the football player he was before the injury. He he was fun to watch, man. And I know he danced on that line between like, hey, it's a little much and and uh, and uh, good clean football. But those rivalries were fun. And for a chapter, Ryan Shazier was a big part of those AFC North storylines and i think he would have been a, a you know a career long Steeler legend if not for the injury i remember him walking across the stage in 2018 that was really moving um and i know he's come a long way since that so we'll ask him about his recovery we're five years out from that injury uh and he'll be joining us shortly in the meantime and he's a podcaster now yeah he's a podcaster so that's exciting he's going to do something with damashek called uh don't call it a comeback and Shazir's going to join us in a couple of minutes, and you know, hopefully at some point I can go on their show because I love Dave, and, and uh, I'll, I'll let you in on how the interview went down. Like I really, really liked Ryan Shazir. I think he's going to be really good at this, and he's got a great attitude. So. You guys have great attitudes. Bo Allen joins us fresh off of a, an exam. Chris, I've had a full day here. I'm battling through adversity a little bit. I actually just won a huge, huge pickleball game against mm. the GM and assistant GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, nice. And uh, you're, looking at, you're looking at four very nice tickets to the game tonight. Oh, wow. You won that yeah. off the pickle game? 
the pickleball, pickleball game. Pickleball. Me and uh, my buddy Ryan Griffin, who is a backup quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks, had yeah. a thrilling 14 to 12 overtime victory. It was tied up two to two, and I fucking hopped on my moped, jetted back over here, and here we are, Chris. Bro, your voice changes when you're winded. <laughs> I'm fucking gassed right now, dude. You should okay. see my heart rate. Okay, you should feel the body aches that are going on in my body right now. This is my flu game. You yeah, know? well, we, so, I mean, dude, it's kind of funny. I think the, it's just day four of a hangover no. after this weekend. It's not. That's why it's I sound like fun. fucking Andrew Luck right now. Well, I, I felt tremendous coming off the weekend up in Philly. Actually, I was starting around the corner big time Sunday evening. Then yesterday I started to feel like shit. So keep an eye on this, Bo. Keep an eye on this, Bo. I mean, yeah, well, together. let me know. Maybe was... that's why my voice, my wind was pretty solid today, but my heart rate got up to a nice little 190 on my whoop, my whoop tracking device. Oh, man, that's so, high. It's pretty high. Uh, what do anyway, we think about the weekend, Bo? Ooh, we have a lot to discuss. I think some things we shouldn't discuss, but mm. I think we had a very different experience in Philadelphia this time than uh, you know last, last time that we were there for your charity event in the uh, – the Jags Eagles game. Uh, but I had a good time, Chris. What about you? What do you have to say about it? Uh, I thought it was fun, man. I thought we had a, a Army Navy was 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 perfect, man. It was uh it was a lot of fun. I'd never seen the scene in person. You always see it on TV, uh, all the Naval Academy guys and gals walking around the concourse. Well, obviously we walked around the concourse a lot and we saw some of the army folks <laughs> as well. The uniforms look look fucking awesome. They're great men and women, uh, and the football is different. And, you know, like, as I was letting people in on this yesterday, early in the on the Monday pod, Bo, like, we walked around that concourse for the entirety of the first quarter. It's insane. People are like, oh, you guys used to play here. You probably really know how to navigate the link. It's the complete opposite, dude. It's fucking embarrassing. Like, you could have given me a GPS monitor and, like, a complete map of the link with details and everything and walk me through it on a walkie-talkie, and I would have been – still fucking completely lost well, i think we logged five miles so yeah our boy b nelly we told him to check his apple watch yeah whatever it is it at almost 11 it was 10 o'clock we had just gotten to our, our appearance at uh at, at wicked wolf which was a lot of fun we'll get into that but um brian said he had logged six miles that day six miles and yeah, we were walking around the tailgate, tailgate. yeah Tailgate. The tailgates the i mean we literally walked around the length of concourse three times we went up we went down uh, I think my favorite thing, though, about the Army-Navy game is just the tailgate, and then we got to meet a lot of people through Jason Van Camp and his organization, Warrior Rising, which I'm sure you've talked about on the pod. Yep. Um, he's a Killy guy that I climbed with, and uh, that was that great Killy class. But anyway, we you you kind of, you know, you start talking to somebody, and you meet them, and you're from the military, and it's, you know, or they're from the military, and it's, a, it's like a soft-spoken guy, you know, and you're, yeah. and then you find out later that that's like a top dog in yeah. the Marine Corps or something. You're like, Oh my God, like that's a complete badass. but like just, you know, very normal individual. And, uh, it's fun to hear them and some of their stories and, you know, the camaraderie and the brotherhood of, of the military is, is really something special. So fun to soak that in. Did you guys get to run into Stanford Steve? We did see Stanford Steve at the barstool, uh, party there. We popped over to see Stanford Steve and some of his friends, uh, caught up with a lot of people. I knew caught up with a lot of people. I knew we, we have a lot of friends in Philly. And it was fun. Like I said, Saturday night we went to Wicked Wolf. Uh, we were serving drinks behind the bar. I think some people didn't understand the fact that like I can't buy, I can't like take their drink order. We can only throw them Miller Lights. I had yeah, to I was probably. just giving, I, I was giving drinks out. I made a pineapple tequila for somebody. I made a couple of vodka sodas. Damn, I made dude. Brian, I made Brian a really really strong Jack and Coke. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. That, that, is that what happened? That Brian? might be. Yeah. yeah. He was well, fatigued from those six miles. Yeah. I remember <laughs> in, uh, in, in, at the Super Bowl one year, me and Brian hit it pretty hard, and we were in Atlanta, and uh, there was a point in the Uber where he couldn't communicate to me where his hotel was, and the only thing I could get out of him for 25 minutes as we circled Atlanta was uh, Jack and Coke Hotel. <laughs> Brian was giving out a lot of high fives to bartenders. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, you know, the the truth is, there's nothing more pressure packed than shotgunning a beer in front of a bunch of 25 year old people. I know. Because, I think we know, like I think over we under call. eight shotguns. How many did we do? Oh, over. Yeah, we had a pretty good performance. I think. Yeah, it was a good performance. We were youthful. A lot of fun. Uh, you know, and the Army Navy game was was awesome from what I saw of it, Bo. Yeah, I mean, zero passing yards in the fourth quarter is electric. You know, you kind of love to see that. I was joking to Chris that if we were D-linemen in that game, you know, we probably would have had like 15, 20 tackles. would have been kind of nice. But uh, it kind of reminds me of football, you know, before the forward pass was invented, which is great. It's America's game, you know. Were you – the guys were asking me here if that was a code break that uh, we left the game in overtime. We we boarded the SEPTA. In overtime, um, we had to get to the event and everything. But Bo, I'm just going to be really honest here. I, I followed you, but this was Bo's idea. This Bo, was my Bo idea. I'll America. take full credit. And in my defense, you know, I've been contacting some, uh, you know, some plastic surgeons down in Tampa because I need to get skin grafts for the third degree burns on my legs from chafing since we walked oh, yeah, six fucking miles. Yeah, bro. I <laughs> so I, I kind of got to a point where I just need to get the fuck out of the game. Like I, it was overtime. My legs are on fire, dude. My gotcha, inner man. thighs, just raw. Yeah. Completely oh. rubbed raw. So definite code break. I'll take responsibility for that, Chris. I'm a big accountability guy. Yes. That one's on me. The fact that I was able to talk you into riding the Broad Street line on, you know, SEPTA is hilarious to me. It was nice. Um, that's probably why, you have, probably why you have the flu, you know? Yeah, probably. <laughs> thanks a lot, Bo. Um, and thanks for, uh, I don't know, hating the military. <laughs> leaving early i uh okay bo we're, we're back uh monday night we decided after that game that it was too dog shit to 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 do a recap <clears throat> of that game but yeah. i thought a few interesting things came out of that game that i want to touch on real quick talk to me guess before i try to try to go get some tamiflu bill there were some bill stories that came out on manning cast i haven't been there in a while not that i don't yeah, love the Mannings, i don't watch the manning just... cast since kelsey was on it honestly I got to pay attention to the game. You know what I mean? Right. But these stories, you, you, you catch these stories on social. Peyton told a great story. There was a long snapper named David Ben. I guess he played for the Chargers. Um, and back in the day, I guess Bill selected him or picked him to the Pro Bowl or something like that. Like, I didn't know that coaches could really do that. Um, but it is, you know. And, uh, and David Ben shows up to the Pro Bowl. And David Ben was at the time dating Pamela Anderson. Uh, Try going after Tommy Lee. Right, well, yeah, David tough Ben. Act to follow. <laughs> well, David Ben uh, shows up, and Bill's like, "Hey, uh, where's your girlfriend?" And, <laughs> and, and Bill said, and, and, "And David Ben says uh, she didn't. She didn't come, Coach." Uh, and Coach Belichick said, "Remind me why the fuck I invited you." <laughs> and Ben thought he was joking, but Bill just stayed deadpan on that thing, and I thought that was hilarious. And then on top of that, there was another Bill story where uh, Art Modell, he hated him so much, right, uh, the Browns owner. Somehow Peter Bulware wasn't supposed to play in the Pro Bowl, and he pulled him up to the Pro Bowl uh, so that Art Modell had to pay his Pro Bowl bonus. So 
Bill, that's dollars. hilariously petty. That's amazing. A, a mill? That is just cyber warfare. That's like uh, that's, that's that's 3D chess, dude. Yeah, that's 4D chess for the Ravens at that point. Once the Browns move, oh, yeah. back to Baltimore. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So I mean, you get a couple of Bill stories. I listen the game. The the Pats are in it, but I, I don't think they're real players in this thing. They're, when you watch them, it's just so apparent how little talent they have. Um, so it's hard to make an evaluation on Mac Jones. I think he's okay. You watch the Pats and you're saying to yourself, they're fighting for a playoff spot, but can they win a bunch of playoff games? I don't know. The defense, Judon, Uche, you know, they come free a lot. Uche won some really nice rushes last night. I mean, they, they got after uh, Colt McCoy. And, of course, the, the big story last night was uh, the injury to Kyler Murray, which people immediately were like, well, Joe Buck was like, I don't know if you caught this, well, all these injuries tonight happening on grass. And I don't know if he meant like, wow. No, it's look, just I a mean, frustrating narrative, man. Everyone's been so fucking talking about the turf. And then the commentators are like, oh, look, these injuries still happen on grass. The bottom line is the turf is way fucking worse, right? Way I mean, worse. So, sorry to jump in on you that on that, Chris. But like, that's one thing that frustrates me so much. If you pull any guy in the NFL, it's going to be 95% say that they would rather play on grass. Well, and these listen, freak injuries are freak injuries, man. Like we all saw what happened with Kyler, and it's horrible. But the, to make it like a turf versus grass thing, like Joe Buck did, that really that annoyed the fuck. And out I don't me. know. I know Joe, and I love Joe, and we're boys. I'd have to text him and ask him what he meant by it. He might have just not delivered the line. Like it could be like, damn, they can't catch a break. This is on grass, you know, like that type of thing. Like knowing Joe, I don't think he was like, uh, fuck you guys. You're not. You know, I don't want to hear you guys talk about turf anymore. And and on top of that, however he meant it, that's not really natural grass. That's natural grass, but they're wheeling that turf in. Right. And on top of that, I, I would also say I don't think the Kyler injury had anything to do with the surface. I know that Andy Reid has complained about the surface before, but I texted a couple of my old trainers. And I was like, what do you think about this injury? And, you know, I mean, it's it's it looks like a freak injury. He goes to plant, right. and he's kind of his foot's underneath him. He's cutting. He's a really powerful little athlete. He might be small, but he's powerful. And every step, there's so much torque that and that's what worries you about like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's leverage is kind of fucked up right now because of this. Kyler has gotten his bag, thankfully for him. But for the Cardinals, you look at this thing and you're like, okay, this guy's going to be out for most of the season next year. Uh, you do have a, a capable backup in Colt McCoy, who you could argue is just as consistent in the output of the offense, depending on what's going on with Kyler. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, who they, they just read up as well as Kyler and Steve Kime, is struggling right now. Like, that's a really sloppy game I just watched last night. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong sloppy, for Sloppy, Chris. Penalties every drive for the Cardinals. It's, it's like, just Everywhere. stymieing them. I mean, yeah, it's hard to watch. I mean, there's not a lot of light at the end of tu at the tunnel for the Cardinals. I think but that's kind of what you're getting at. The tough part, look at Zach Ertz. Like, you know, and I haven't right. talked to Zach, but, like, I would imagine this is, this is tough – you know, think about being a vet on that team. Think about being J.J. Watt. Think about, you know, like, okay, you lost your, your franchise quarterback. W which direction is my, my, uh, my franchise going to go next year? You could punt on winning next year. Not that I'm a big fan of tanking, but, you know, it, it does happen, I believe. Uh, we've seen it. Like, uh, Caleb Williams' sweet stakes is a year off. Sean Payton's somewhere hovering around the, the Chargers and the Cardinals' job. What if uh, Brandon Staley plays these guys or coaches these guys into the playoffs. He doesn't lose his job. He makes it really hard to fire him. Uh, and Cliff 
um, his job's on the line. What do you do? I mean, you just you just read everybody up. What do you do with Kyler in the air if you've decided that he's not the guy? And this only makes it tougher. His out isn't until after 2027. So, I mean, like, they're kind of, they got their, I want to be uh, empathetic and not move right on to, like, talking about the contract stuff, but they, they got him by the balls. I mean, he doesn't have a no trade clause. Um, so, you know, like, in a year, if somebody wanted to take on that contract and they were like, hey, we're over it, you could move him after 23, but either way, you next year is going to be weird. And I, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see, do they keep Cliff on, knowing that like a Sean Payton wouldn't, wouldn't want to come and lay the foundation for, for the future with a backup quarterback and, and a rehabbing quarterback. Um, it's really interesting because I had heard Chargers and Cardinals for, for Sean Payton, and this just complicates this job. So what happens if, if, uh, if Brandon Staley survives? You know, so I I don't know, man. It's 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 a tough situation for them and this franchise. I think sometimes you got to hit the reset button, but what they've done in you know the the recent past is going to make that really hard. Complicates things. Not much to say else about that game. It was ugly. It was one of the the five worst primetime games of the season. I mean, low key. I know there's more scoring than some other games, but. That was hideous. I put that it's up. It's just there hard with, to care about those two teams even before yeah. the, you know, before kickoff. In my I can opinion, tell you how. and these are, t- I mean, we cared, we played for the Patriots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, gambling on the Patriots now, big boy had had the under, had uh, had the Pats, had the Pats uh, in the under and the teaser. So we had a nice night. And Macon shot me a winner. Mm-hmm. Alabama and A and M catching ten. Never heard of you know Alabama A and M. Actually, I've heard of them, but never watched them play basketball. So we're off to a good start this week. Chase Long. Um, Chase Long is is not is not the guy in this chair right now. I'm Chris Long. You know. Um, <laughs> hey, real quick before we get into Mike Leach and and his tragic passing, and it was very sudden. Um, a couple housekeeping items. Number one, I found out this week that Dolphins used heaters on the sideline uh, at L.A. It was 55 degrees in that stadium. Come on. And they used heaters. And you're going to you're going to Buffalo this weekend. Brutal. Brutal. Um, and another thing, has anybody called Penne Sewell Big Pasta yet? Let's get that going. Yeah, let's get it going right now. Let's it's get a- that going right now. Put that shit out there. Social right media now. gang. Right now. Okay. So that's two things. And then the last thing is, did you see this 12-year-old, quote-unquote 12-year-old peewee football player, or whatever the fuck yeah. level that is, guy had a mustache He's getting interviewed after the, the, the 12 year old championship, the under 12 championship, and he's looking the fucking reporter eye to eye. The guy's looking like name, Greg Oden out there. The guy's name? Jeremiah Johnson. No way. Swear to you. That's what I read today on the internet. It's Robert Redford. Is that Amazing. funny as shit or what? Amazing. They named that kid. A, did they name him after Robert Redford? The little turn and the nod, right? Who looks older, Jeremiah Johnson or Robert Redford? <laughs> Robert Redford alive? Yeah. He's alive. Okay. All right. Mike Leach. This guy, Bo, I don't know if you've heard me tell this story, and we'll get to Ryan Shazier in a second after this, but he was obviously one of a kind. And I think as as today goes on and people share these really awesome stories, I mean, I people die all the time. This guy's got stories for 10 people. I mean, like, the stories that I'm seeing – from the football importance, you know, starting the air raid, uh, like revolutionizing drills, um, doing crazy shit on the field. Like I, I watched a play uh, against Wyoming that he had the snapper on the hash and the entire offensive formation to the left of him to the boundary. 
and he was snapping it diagonally. So the formation was like all bunched up against the sideline. So like not only did he do something undeniably genius, like start the air raid and have all these quarterbacks throw for thousands of yards, and but he was also innovative. Like this play, I hope Mississippi State runs it in the bowl game. Like honestly, to I think that'd be cool if if Mississippi yeah, State would run homage. this play as a little homage to Mike. But it's not just that. It's like at Oklahoma, he planted a fake game plan, so the opposing coaches picked it up and thought they had they were hot on you know, stoops and leeches tails and, and they had the wrong plays. And so, you know, like he was just, he was so unique and such an innovator. Um, but more than anything, I mean, he just seemed like a guy who would talk to anybody. And that's what I really liked about him. And I got to see that up close and personal because they beat us in the Gator Bowl. Do you remember their big splits, Bo, when they would run big splits? You were a lot younger than me, but Texas Tech would spread those linemen out way wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. I didn't experience it personally, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It does not shorten the distance to the quarterback. It is a motherfucker. And, you know, like, guys will be out there like, oh, you can't get to the quarterback. I'm like, I'm lined Plus up on just, the hat. It's just awkward. There's weird spacing involved. Okay. Like, you get so used to, like, you know, O-lines, yep. you know, lining up a certain distance off the ball and things like that. But it's weird. And they broke our hearts. They beat us, um, you know, in the Gator Bowl. I'm, I'm not over it yet. Uh, but then two years later, a year later, I end up, becoming teammates with Danny Amendola, who was a star on that team. He came in with his Konica Minolta Gator Bowl bag and like just plopped it down at the locker, two lockers for me, and it was almost like a fuck you. And then we proceeded <laughs> to be great friends, took him out, got him drunk on rumple mitts. He threw up in my closet. Yeah, this legendary Danny stories. Left Can't and right, wait but, to hear this story. Yeah, well, for, for another day. Uh, then me and Danny started going to these music festivals. Me, Sam, Danny, and a couple of dudes would go to like Bonnaroo, Coachella, and we would get so just messed up as you do at a music festival. And I would be like, hey, Danny, can we call Mike Leach? And so I can remember sitting on a rock at Coachella at like 4 in the afternoon. I've been going since like 9 a.m. And me and Danny are sitting there on that rock. And he's like, we'll call Mike Leach right now. And we call Mike Leach. First three rings he picks up. We're on the phone. I look at the phone. It's an hour and 13 minutes we're on the phone with Mike Leach. That's all I remember about the conversation is thinking to myself, like, the guy that beat me in a bowl game, we're passing the phone back and forth, whether it was 4 o'clock at night or we'd call him at 2 in the morning back at the, in the RV. He would talk to us for legitimately 40 minutes, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, like throughout the whole weekend. It was like he had nowhere to be, and he was happiest in that moment with whoever he was talking to. He didn't know me. loved the players, loved he his just, former players. You and know, other yeah. players. Like, I never met him, but he was on the phone right. with me for 20 minutes, and I was asking him stupid shit. Um, but he just, he, he was, you could tell he didn't care who he was talking to or about what he just loved having conversations. One of my biggest regrets, we didn't get him on this pod because that would have been an all timer. And, uh, you know, I, I just, it's obviously a huge loss for the football world and you're hearing a lot of great stories about it. And I can only hope that when we all kick the bucket, people have good stories about us. They won't have stories like they have about Mike Leach, Mike Leach with Jeremy Schapp a couple years ago, kind of morbid but you know shaps like hey many years from now when you die you know how do you want your uh, eulogy to be and he mike leach's response was that's their problem like i'm dead they got to worry about my eulogy i don't have to worry about that and i just think that's such a funny attitude that he had and people are writing that eulogy and it's full of a lot of great stories i know my favorite was him breaking down the you ever hear him breaking down the jackalope thing bo no i miss that so basically um they were getting ready to play at Wyoming. 
there's altitude down there. The reporters are asking him about altitude. He's like, yeah, you know, altitude. We've been practicing for the altitude, and there's seasonal forest fires up here, which I think is great because oxygen deprivation. And, you know, it reminds me of jackalopes. You know what a jackalope is? It's a fictional so, creature, right? It's a rabbit with fucking horns. And so uh, he's like, you know, when I lived out west, I used to sell jackalopes to people back east all the time, and they thought there were these rabbits running around with horns. And, <laughs> and that's about how I feel about the altitude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a metaphor like, there's in shape and there's out of shape i thought that was yeah. a classic i, I love amazing i love he he added this guy he jamal morrow was a team captain on his team when they asked him why he was a team captain on the team he said because he was on the price is right and he was really good at it he was like, <laughs> yeah i swear to you guys in midfield because he's on price is right um he recruited that's a guy why, named, that's why aaron Rodgers is the captain of the Green Bay Packers, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Same principle. Same thing, dude. And and you have uh, you have you have um, this guy Matt Williams. They needed a kicker, and they were doing this promotional thing where this this student at Texas Tech would went out and kicked the ball. He got free rent for kicking the ball through, which would probably be a violation if he added him to the team. And he did add him to the team, just off the fact that he kicked like a thirty-five yard field goal in a field goal uh, competition. He was sitting in the stands. So I do want to close this out talking about Mike Leach with a couple of the misses. And I wish Mike were here so I could be like, hey, Mike, we haven't talked since Coachella 2010 or whatever it is, but uh, but I thought you missed on a couple uh, takes over the years. Number one, candy corn is not bad. Okay, Mike, I don't know if you're listening, but candy, candy corn, corn is- sucks, dude. I'm a candy connoisseur, and I hate candy corn. That's a good take, Mike. Yeah, well, you know, you're the one calling yourself a connoisseur. We don't know. You don't like candy corn. <sighs> Candy like, corn's ass, bro. Okay, all right. That's the worst take. <laughs> That's all he had. He he never missed. He well, he didn't miss no much. No takes about getting married. The That's take it? about getting married was great. It was like, hey, if you're gonna get married, just go elope. And I think that was like absolutely brilliant. Spitting the truth. Every young man needs to hear that. I cherish my wedding day and everything, but golly, it was a big bill, and we don't remember much of it. A lot of the people at the wedding I don't talk to anymore. So I think Mike I wasn't Leach, at the wedding, Chris, and you talked to me. Right, exactly. I talked to you a lot. <laughs> so um, too much, huh? No, not too much. So I just, I just wanted to to talk about Mike Leach for five minutes. Uh, we'll talk about Mike Leach more at various turns in the road because he was so different. And um, a I ledge, just man, truly a ledge, like yeah. a free thinker, and just you could tell he's a very earnest, genuine guy too. Which you know, kind of rare for a coach sometimes. No question. No question. Stories will go on. People can send us some stories that they heard about Mike Leach, and we'll talk about them on the show because uh, all of them are hilarious. Uh, He's one of those guys too, Chris, where we could just make up stories, yes, ridiculous, far-fetched stories, and it'll be you know it'll be true. There were stories today that I wasn't sure if they were true or not. I had to fact check them. Like, hey, yeah. he told Lincoln Riley he wasn't going to make the team. Like, and oh, then, I heard, I heard Mike Leach uh, actually, you know. When he was younger, he ran around the continental United States planting uh, apple trees. And now all the apple trees around the United States, they're planted by Mike Leach. That's actually true. Yeah, that's true. You didn't know Our, that. I heard he had a he had a pet, um, you know, a blue oxen when he yeah. was younger. A huge blue ox. He carried around a giant axe. Yeah, like uh, like Paul Bunyan. Am I getting that right? 
Yeah. Okay. First one was Johnny Appleseed. If you didn't oh, got that. it. I gotta work on my folklore. <laughs> I gotta go get some Tamiflu too, Bo, because I'm I'm hurting right now. So get you some Mexican ephedrine, Chris. Get if you got right something on. to say, I'm gonna leave you to it with these guys, and we can put it at the end of the pod, Bo. You can have the floor if you wanna if you wanna close the show out after I've been Ryan Chazier. for my whole life for this, Chris. Yeah, this just is my moment ca- to shine. Commandeer the 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 microphone, and uh, and Bo, I'm gonna go feel better. Okay. Sounds good. Appreciate you. Okay, here's Ryan Shazier. The best moments in a sports fan's life are in football season. I'm not talking about September. I'm not talking about the first week in October. I'm not even talking about the second week in October. I'm talking about when it gets colder, the temperature drops, the games get bigger, the hits get harder, and you can curl up and watch some meaningful football. I like to do it with a Miller Lite from the fridge and a cold, frosty mug from the freezer. Frosty mug. Meet a cold, beautiful can of Miller Lite from my fridge. That's teamwork. We come together, we can make a great play out there, and the, and the best play to make on a Sunday is a nice cold Miller Lite and a frosty mug at home. That's my favorite thing. Maybe a fire in the fireplace. Yeah, now we're talking. But Miller Lite, it's an original, and it's more than that. It's been a fan favorite since 1975. The best part, no matter how your team plays, Miller Lite is always a winner. The perfect beer for Sundays. I gave you the the hot tip. Having that frosty mug is a lot like having home field advantage. I mean, like, it just makes everything better for your boy and your boy's friends who file in every Sunday to enjoy cold, ice cold Miller Lite uh, at at my house. I mean, we have a lot of people over, and I got to have the Miller Lite stocked up. A lot of light beer cuts back on the most crucial ingredient, flavor. Just 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12-ounce serving. Miller Lite, quick on its feet, heavy hitting on flavor. No wonder it's been MVP from day one. This football season, enjoy the sweet taste of victory with Miller Lite, the original light beer. Find it pretty much anywhere beer is sold. Go to MillerLite.com greenlight for delivery options near you. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. If you're here in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. Sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's bet $25 get $50 in free bets. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't turn that down. Don't pass that up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. All right, so this is an honor. Just met Ryan Shazier for the first time over Zoom, somebody I've admired for a long time, uh, his perseverance, everything he's been through. And now he's starting a podcast with my good friend, Dave Damashek. It's called Don't Call It a Comeback. Uh, and now I welcome Ryan Shazier. Ryan, what's up, dude? What's up, Chris? Appreciate you for having me. Yeah, man, of course. This is really cool. I, I, I didn't see you getting into podcasting, man. What was this kind of process like with you and Dave? No, you know, so I actually did a, a podcast uh, a few years ago, I mean, a year ago, on, on through, through the Ringer, 
And it was just it was just talking about straight football. But I actually like this podcast a lot. And the reason I like this one a lot is because we actually get to talk a little bit more than just football. We talk about, you know, just comeback stories. And to me, I thought it was very important to have a, a, a podcast or a platform that talk about comeback stories. Because comeback stories are normally inspirational, you know, uplifting, telling people that no matter what you go through, you can come, you can get through it. And I thought that was really important that I, that me, uh, I tell a story like that because, you know, there's a lot of negativity that's going on in this world right now. Yeah. So just every time, you know, we find a story like Baker Mayfield, them coming back this week or, How about that? you know, Tom, <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady deciding to come back and play <clears throat> football again. Just <clears throat> all these stories have like a crazy meaning to them. So I think it's really important to, to tell those stories. And, you know, Dave, he's a Pittsburgher. He's a Yenzer. So it's always fun to talk with him. Bro, he is so Pittsburgh, it's crazy. He knows more about y'all's <laughs> franchise than anybody I've ever met, and he knows football, you know, front to back. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Is there, like, a guest that you'd like to to have on? Like, what's who's on your bucket list? Mm, mm. That's, that's a question that I was actually thinking about the other day because, you know, obviously, Chris, we could have you on there. You know, we could yeah. definitely have you on there. Yeah, but, that too. I mean, hey, Rams to the – yeah, my, my my career was sort of a comeback. Eight years in St. Louis, and then ended up on some good teams. So I could I could grace the the microphone with y'all. All right, and then you know, to me, I would I would definitely love to talk to like LeBron about mm-hmm. like his comeback when they uh, when they were down like three one, just to yeah. talk about that series or yeah. having somebody like. Tom Brady, I don't know. Uh, but Ooh, you should me, get Brady to talk about twenty eight to three. That'd be yeah, that'd, that'd be, be the that'd one. Be crazy. That'd I think the... obviously he he'll want to talk about that after he's done playing. Though, yes. Probably. yes. And then you know I, I I think I would love to have like Obama on there just to talk yeah. about just sports, like how Chicago was before Michael Jordan, and then when he came or something. Yeah. How 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 it changed, and then and then just America. I don't know. Seems like I you got your a... guest list worked out, bro. We get LeBron, we get Obama. I like no, this, no, the dude. thing is the thing is. You said those are bucket lists. Those are the bucket lists, yeah. I have to no, just see if I can get them on there, though. We got to speak this into existence, bro. <laughs> um, that's cool, man. And Gene, um, Gino Smith as well, uh, you know, with what he's done this year, I think would be a cool guest because, I don't know, man, that, that kind of, I'm not, no disrespect to Gino, I just did not see this happening. Yeah, you no, know? I agree. So, so we actually talked. We already had a, a like a podcast about Gino. Yeah, like we already had a podcast about him, and we didn't have him as the guest because it's kind of weird. You talk about your own comeback story in the middle right. of your comeback, like yeah, especially in the true. middle of it. So, we end up having uh, a beat writer and a reporter that that dealt with his story while he was in New York, and still understand the story now while he's in the NFL. Yeah, but I think after the season. Just to talk about what life was like through this whole comeback, yeah. Having Gino on there, I think it will make a world of a difference. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like a real lesson to people that you know your surroundings matter. You know the the atmosphere you play in, the franchise you play uh, for, and I think you know like also there is a learning process. People can change. You know, he said it yeah. himself. Like, hey, I wasn't as mature. This, that, and the third. You know, we're all pretty immature when we get in the league. And I think yeah. there's a lot that they ask of quarterbacks. Like, if I was a quarterback, I would not have been mature enough when I was 23. You know what I mean? Yeah. I so agree. I think this has been fun to watch from uh, from Gino, and hopefully get more stories like that. I'm I'm really looking forward to the podcast. I asked Dave. I was like, "Do you got anything on Shazir that I can ask him?" 
like one you know controversial opinion that he has or something. He said that quote Turkey is a Gen X food. Is that <laughs> what does that mean? Not so. Do you like turkey? Yeah, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, but so like, would you eat? Would you prefer turkey or ham or turkey or chicken? The chicken. That's what in I'm a, saying. You, in a heartbeat. You know what I'm yeah. So even yeah. on Thanksgiving, you might still eat chicken over turkey. No, no chance. On Thanksgiving, I gotta have turkey. Wait, you're eating chicken on on uh, on Thanksgiving? No, 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 no. I eat ham. I eat ham on Thanksgiving. <laughs> ham. Yeah, we how, yeah we have ham. Had it? Yeah, I guess. But over turkey, we have, yeah, ham, this, and, we have ham and turkey. I'm gonna yeah. have one slice of turkey. Got it. But I'm going to eat ham multiple yeah. times. Okay, good. Okay, he's just prioritizing yeah, so, ham. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that. You know, most most people in our generation, I think most of our generation, we don't really like turkey. Like, it's not something that we prefer. That's you know, interesting. But, but we eat it. Yeah. You know? You I know mean, you can't we, tell me shit about turkey on Thanksgiving. That's about it. Some people are going to say this is controversial, Ryan. Some people well, in the hey, back of the room are nodding their heads. They're like, man, this isn't going to go over well. There's no turkey on Thanksgiving. No, 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 no. I eat it. One slice. No, like we, yeah, and then two we, slices. Yeah, we, of yeah, we, <laughs> We have we have it on we have it on Thanksgiving. So yeah. like whoever cooks the turkey, I will eat it. You know, yeah. I'm gonna respect eat, eat it. It's uh-huh. a Thanksgiving. It's part of the Thanksgiving meal. But I'm not I'm not asking for seconds of turkey ever. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, give me this since we're on Thanksgiving. Dave steered us into Thanksgiving three weeks after fucking Thanksgiving. I'm gonna give you right. What time is the ideal Thanksgiving meal? Like two o'clock. I agree. I agree. Sure. I don't want this yeah. like wait all day. I got it because I'm <laughs> yeah, starving so, myself, dude. Yeah, really. So it's it's two o'clock, and then I always I always get a second meal like right mm. around like the fourth quarter of the game, or you know, like right before the next yeah. game start. Yeah. So. Okay, this is another one because you're going to be dealing with Dave, so inevitably you're going to watch him looking at the lines and the board. Have you started gambling yet? Yeah, I'm a gambler, but we haven't talked about it much yet. So oh, and the this thing is, cool. is I. I try my best not to gamble on NFL games because I still like know a lot of the guys, so I almost bet emotionally instead of actually betting how I should. I do that then, too. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's I like the the soft flex with the two Super Bowl champion the uh the, hey, the Super Bowl Super Bowl trophies in the back. It's the only good prop I have up here, bro. <laughs> it's the only good prop I have up here. But yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean it's hard. Like I I, I try not to bet the Eagles. Because I feel like my allegiance to the guys that are playing there is too yeah. strong. It'll cloud my judgment. So you mainly yeah. bet college? Are you betting the Buckeyes pretty much all the time? So, so uh, it's very easy to bet on the Buckeyes, obviously. It's very easy to bet on the Buckeyes. But if I do bet, it's more I bet on like college basketball or March Madness. Yeah. Um, I bet a lot on that. Uh, but I just told my wife, I was like, I'm, I'm going to slow down on, fan, uh, on FanDuel. I had bet. And lost like fifteen grand on it. <laughs> I did that the other weekend. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I can't be doing this. Yeah, but you know, it's you got to take the good with the bad, the ups and the downs. You got to hang in there. You got to keep firing. You, you'll be back, right? You'll be back. Yeah. And then when all the guys, when you get old enough, like me, I'm thirty seven. So like, yeah. there's not that many guys that I play with still playing. So right. I, you know, I like I can definitely bet the NFL. Give it a couple years. When they clear out, you'll be you'll be back. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be all right. It's just like the fact that like TJ and Cam are still playing. I can't bet on the Steelers. You know, right. it's like I just it's, it's, it's really hard for me to bet on the Steelers. Like, yeah. and then for instance, like I went, I, I'm good friends with Aaron Donald, so like I went to the Rams game when, when Baker and them win the game, and I was like, yeah, I want to kind of bet with the Rams, but I'm like, 
I'm not betting with the Rams. They don't have a quarterback right now. You right, know exactly. So, you know, so it's just kind of – so. I've, I've had trouble with that too with Aaron because, yeah, like he was my rookie and just kind of watched him grow into this monster and he's just the yeah. best guy ever. Like people don't understand yeah, this. He is just the best, man. And him and Erica are awesome people and, you know, uh, he's just not what you would expect. Like if you if you watched him play football, you'd expect his personality to be one way. But yeah. he's the most soft-spoken, kind of quiet, humble person off the field. And so it's hard for me. If I, if I got to bet against the Rams, um, what do you think he should do? You think – I mean, like, I haven't talked to him about it because I haven't wanted to, like, seem like, hey, podcaster, asking my buddy a question. But next year, um, I don't know that the Rams are going to be that good. I feel for him. I hope somebody comes and gets him. Because if you're the Rams, like, what are you looking at? You don't have a lot of draft capital. You probably don't have a quarterback of Matt Stafford – you know, continues to look the way he looks. I think he's pretty old right now, pretty banged up. I so want to see. I want to see AD get freed, man. See, AD just bought a house in California. Ah, oh, God, I know. Yeah, he just bought. A, obviously, he's going to be all right. He's, yeah, he's, he's going to be, be fine. Right. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to be all right. But I, I think he likes it there. But like, yeah. I think if he was to go somewhere else and play football, I think it would be Pittsburgh. Other than That's that, I don't. Uh, but I don't think like we'll have to give up. Two first rounders, two like two first rounders for a thirty-two year old, uh, thirty-one, thirty-two year old yeah. uh, D tackle that's already said that he's going to retire soon. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Like the Steelers aren't willing to do that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I know that if he was like, I haven't asked him this either, but if I was him, I would just you know continue to collect the bag and stay in LA. It's a nice place. But yeah, they, they I don't know if they're going to win next year. Yes, yeah, especially with Matt Stafford playing the way he's playing. It's going to be tough, man. So I feel for him, and like he, you know, he they definitely got the ring, but now they're seeing the other side of it with everything they had to get up, to give up to get it. So it's tough watching them. And then, yeah, if he did, if if they did add him to the Pittsburgh group, like TJ's getting up there in years, Cam's up there in years. I wonder how much yeah. longer Cam plays, although he still looks awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you'd have him and that sort of thing. So yeah, age would be a factor. How long do you think Cam? Cam can play. I mean, because he's what is he now? 32, 33? Yeah, he's like 30, 32, 33. Like the thing is, like with Cam, I just see how much he work on his body and how much he loves football. I can see Cam playing like three, four more years. You know, like awesome. I wouldn't be surprised if he played like three, four more years, like finish his contract out. Yeah. And, you know, and then TJ's on like twenty seven. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's you got know, one more so, big deal. He's got one more really yeah. mega big deal. Yeah, so TJ's TJ's all right. The thing is, our team is really young. The Steelers right now, we're really young. Yeah. And besides Cam, and so I don't see them trading all our draft capital for that. You know, right. so yeah. I, the thing is, like, I would love Aaron to come here, and we'll probably have the best defense in the league because you can't run the ball. But then we won't have any offense. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. So the, and I, I so Chris, this is the thing that I tell people all the time. So like, even I played a video game. So, I said this happened to the Broncos, and now it's happening to the Rams. And I don't think it happened to the Eagles when it, when it happened. But so the Broncos traded everybody to get that Super Bowl. Now right. the Broncos are like struggling. Yeah, you know. Yep. And then now the Rams they traded everybody to get these Super Bowls, and now you know they in a tough predicament because they paid all this money for all these big time guys, and now they're getting old, and you don't have young guys to develop now. Well. And maybe Jalen Ramsey's the guy that if you want to get two firsts for somebody, somebody would still give up two firsts for a, a corner in their yeah. 20s, right? You know, because yeah. I do think they need to recoup some of their 
Like, I think the reason teams struggle after they do that is because they take too long saying, okay, fuck it, we got to hit the reset button. You know, they yeah. keep trying to, like, you know, rob keep Peter to pay, pl- to pay Paul yeah. or whatever, you know, the, the old folks say. Uh, but, yeah, no, nah, I mean, like, uh, you're right. It's it's the same thing. And the, the Russell Wilson contract is not, it's not going well. So <laughs> it is not going well. And I wasn't even saying it because Russell, I was saying, like, when it, when it happened when they got Peyton Manning. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, they traded all of these pieces, got all these old guys, and it's nothing wrong with it if you win a Super Bowl. But the reason, like, Green Bay is always in the mix, Ravens always in the mix, Steelers always in the mix, is because they're like, hey, we might we might make a trade, like a trade once in a while for a big-time guy. Right. But we're we going to just constantly keep developing guys and just stay in the, stay in the mix, you know, so – we're going to see. I don't that's know. That's right. That's right. Our Eagles team, we added cheap veterans. Like, yeah. they added LeGarrett, myself, Torrey Smith, uh, Patrick Robinson, who was great as a nickel yeah. for us that year. So, like, the model is, yeah, it's, it's make the trades you got to make, but it's, a, it's adding cheap vets and it's, you know, it's, it's hitting free agency at the right times and that sort of thing, not right. by, you know, selling the whole no. farm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I agree. And that's yeah. why y'all won. We should be GMs. <laughs> and, and, I, and the thing is, I'm completely cool with being a GM. I just don't want to do all the do-boy stuff. The do-boy stuff. That's the truth. That's why Jeff Saturday. <laughs> that's why Jeff Saturday found the the wrinkle. He found the wrinkle. You know. I mean, yeah, he, 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 he skipped right he to the front line. There. Yeah. No. No. No if question. I could, if I could figure it out like that, I'm cool. How did? How would you react to the Jeff Saturday thing? Because that that was like I think media people were a lot more mad than players, but still, I think as a player. I get why coaches would be upset that you know guys have been in that building grinding, being NFL coaches. You know how hard that is, and they get so, leapfrogged. So I would say, like, I, I would say I was around like sixty forty, like, yeah, like sixty forty fifty fifty five fifty five, you know, forty five. Yeah, and I would say I was more fifty five, like happy for Jeff Saturday. Yeah, and forty five mad, like everybody else. And the reason I, I was more mad, and the reason I was more mad is because I'm a minority, so I'm going to be honest. So, like, it's a lot of minority coaches out here that deserve that opportunity that they didn't get it. Yep. You know, but I am happy because I feel there's a lot of coaches that are in the league right now that have not as much experience as Jeff Saturday that are head coaches of NFL teams. Yes. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and I'm not saying that they're bad coaches, but I'm, I'm going to just use – uh uh, Cliff Kingsbury, for instance. I'm not saying that he's a bad coach, but like he wasn't winning in college. He wasn't. He's not. He's not been a winner. Right. So just to be able to come in and you know get a franchise team while you know Jeff Saturday has Super Bowls. He's a Hall of Famer. He understands what it takes to have a great coach. Yeah. To like win a, a win a championship. So and then the biggest thing is when it comes to coaching, the head coach. Basically, you're just a manager of a lot of other coaches. So. You just have to make sure you lead the guys in the right way and just build good people around you. Then I, that's why I was happy for him because if you put the right pieces around you and understand how to lead your team, I feel that you can become a great coach. Yeah, it's guys' egos get in the way when they try to do everything and like yeah. you know um, just to delegate a little bit and and that sort of thing. I'm sure Jeff had no choice but to delegate because there's a lot that goes into being an NFL coach that people don't even think about, like game management, clock management, building the week out planning the travel like hey are we gonna stay on the west coast like all these little things like training he hasn't even started to do the off-season stuff which i think is even almost harder than kind of standing on the sideline and and working with your ocs and your dcs and that sort of thing 
that's where I think the rubber's going to meet the road if they actually keep him around because that's going to be interesting. Um, did, was Mike Tomlin like that? Was he kind of a delegator? So, like, uh, he delegates on things that he – obviously, he – being an NFL head coach, you kind of know what everybody's doing, obviously. Yes. But he, I feel like he delegates on the things that he is not as strong at. You yeah. know, so so Coach Tomlin, he's a, he, he played offense in college, but he's more of a defensive coach. So I think he delegates a little bit on offense more. You know, I, I didn't – I couldn't tell in the headset if he was calling offensive plays or not, but I could tell in the right. defensive headset. And so he, I think he delegated a little bit more on offense, and then he was more interactive on the defensive side. Yeah. You know, like kind of how like Bill Belichick is, he's more interactive on the defensive side. Uh, and you know, he and then he hires a defensive coordinator to do the offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. But I think what Belichick was saying at that point was like, "Hey, like they have a winning record." He already knew their offense wasn't the best offense in the league anyway. Right. You know, so I think he was saying, hey, if I bring in a defensive guy, he understands what a defense is going to do in this situation. Yeah. So let, let me see what can happen. And and they, they're they not playing great, but they're, they're playing what everybody expected them to play. No, they're, they're in the hunt uh, or whatever people are calling it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and the thing about – you know, grabbing those two defensive, you know, Joe Judge and, and Patricia is like they're both New England guys. So I'm not advocating for the move, but I know that part of Bill is probably like, hey, we want inside guys, you know, because they're so guarded. Like we don't want to yeah. bring in some hot shot coordinator and then he leaves in a year and tells yeah. all our secrets because that's kind of the way they are. And then also yeah. I think they could save money on that thing too. Um, you know, so it's kind of interesting that he went that route. Mike Tomlin, the other day, did you see the video of him walking through the tunnel and dude was like, hey, Mike. He's like, hey, Mike, yeah, smile working. for the camera. He's like, I'm fucking working, dude. <laughs> that's that's Coach T, though. The yeah. thing is, why I love Coach T is because he, like, he know, like, you know he's all about business. Like, he's all about yeah. business. So, like, I remember one time I asked him, because I have a, I have a good relationship with him, when, even when I was playing. And I was like, hey, Coach, man, like, and this is before, like, anything blew up with, like, any of the guys. But I was like, hey, Coach, like, I think somebody got arrested on another team. I was like, man, how you deal with, like, NFL guys and you know that they're going to get in trouble? Like, how you – like, you know that. And he was just like, hey, it comes with the territory. He's like, if you yeah. want to be the, the coach in the biggest league in the world, you got to understand that it comes with the territory. Like, yeah. guys are going to – like, you're not going to ever have a team where nobody's ever going to get in trouble. Well, statistically speaking, you know, you put 53 grown men in a room out there anywhere, and there's going to be a couple people who aren't flying straight, and that's kind of the, the task <laughs> right. of being a, you know, running that daycare center at yeah. some times. I mean, speak, I mean, like, okay, AB, not doing well right now. I don't know what the latest is, but do you think that had he been in Pittsburgh to this point, we would have kept the Band-Aid on? Because obviously he's going through some stuff. I think I think Pittsburgh did a really good job of keeping the Band-Aid on, and this is one thing that I talked about the upper, like the upper management with Pittsburgh before. There's like the difference between guys when you draft them and then when guys when they become free agents or sign somewhere else. Yes, is that when you draft some, when you draft somebody, you actually put a lot of a lot of work into knowing who that guy is. You know, so and then you have those guys for five years, so the, you already know they're good, you already know they're bad, and you understand how to work with them. When you go to somebody else. A lot of times, 
you know, they're paying you to come work there, but they're not they're not paying you for all the bullshit that you bring right. with yourself. Right. You know, so they're they're less likely to deal with the BS. Yeah. So I think I think I don't know if we would have been able to keep the band on it on this like this whole time. But I think the Pittsburgh, they understood A B, they understood what type of person he was. And they understood like, hey, let's like how to handle him in a certain way. And and not like handle him like he's a dog or anything, but just like, hey, like they understood like, hey, A B, like sometimes he makes, you know, wild decisions sometimes. So let's try to make sure we pit him in a, a comfortable place so he's so he doesn't, you know, do him more often. And so I think they would have if he stayed in Pittsburgh, uh, he probably would still be playing right now. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, but you know, things happen for a reason. You know, God had a different plan. So yeah, man, and I think it is as simple as like pushing the right buttons, like the way you put it. I forget what it was, but I mean, like you, you know, just knowing where guys like hey, this is a this is a you know like a hot button area. Like don't don't do that around this guy, or like don't put this yeah. guy in this situation. Like you know, the difference between. And I can remember when I first became a free agent, it was kind of shocking. I mean, it wasn't shocking in New England because yeah. I was like, this is New England. They don't give a fuck about what you did the last place. But, right. like, I remember when I got to Philly, and I told this story on the podcast before, like, I got more sacks than anybody on the team. They had me sharing a locker at the fucking scrimmage the first time in camp. I'm like, bro, they really just don't care what you've done before you got to the place you got. And the difference is when you get drafted somewhere, you're like family you know, yeah. kind of like they count you like family. Like, you know, if you have a family member that's fucking up, you're like, always, oh, hey, no matter what, you got you know, his back. This, this is my family, right? I'm invested yeah. in this person. But then when you come in in free agency, it's like, uh, we got a house guest here. Yeah. So I, like, I just think it's like a stepbrother or something. Yes, dude. <laughs> and it, yeah, you didn't get to experience that. Um, you know, and I think you would have played your whole damn career in, in Pittsburgh and you're a legend in Pittsburgh now. But, you know, I, I, uh, you know, the free agency thing is really interesting. And I was always impressed with Mike, the way he kept things together. Because I think on any good team, you have to have a lot of big personalities. And teams yeah. have to be kind of fucking crazy. Like, yeah. good, the best D-line rooms I was in were fucking, you know, nut houses, dude. <laughs> just, like, crazy people in there. And it's all about, like, just doing enough to keep people between the lines and go out and play, and play football and harness that. So I think Mike's as good as anybody when it comes to that. Yeah, he had, like, one, I remember, so I, I remember now it's, it's a little bit more tightened up because, you know, uh, like, he just, he just didn't like how guys were handling situations. Right. But I remember before, like, if it didn't involve winning football games, he didn't care. You know, like, right. some, some coaches was like, you have to wear Eagles gear, like, in, in a facility all times. You yeah. have, you can't be on your phone in the locker room. You can't yeah. be doing this. You can't be doing that. We like our best year at the Steelers. Literally, I'll go up to the meeting like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll go up yeah. to the meeting like this. You know, we'll be joking around. Guys will be wearing different jerseys, but we like obviously you'll still like have a, a defensive jersey on. Like I used to practice with number one on. Yeah, you know some guy. Some guys will have like the phone in the training room, but they're still getting treatment. And that's the best teams we had. But then you know after a while, stuff started to just leak out. And more people understood it, and it was like Coach Thomas was like, "I, I, I have to crack the whip. Like y'all got to start doing it like everybody else, you know." And he was like, because he said, "He was like, if it doesn't, if, like, if it's not about wins and losses, why does it matter?" Right, and that, I think that's something that like new coaches, and he has a luxury; he's been there a while, so you can kind of build your like, he, these are my pet peeves, these are the things that are non-negotiables for me. 
Like I've learned that through experience and I have the clout to allow certain things. Um, but like some coaches, they just want to piss on every bush. Like they get in the facility and they're like, know this, know that. I got these stupid rules. You got to tuck your shirt in at, at, at practice or what have you. Um, you know, and like I always felt the same way. It's like I'm a professional, bro. Like I'm going to have fun, but you can bet you're going to get everything out of me on Sunday. Right. And I think that's like a coach has to know not everybody's the same. You know, yeah. so you can't have the same rules for everybody. And also, some things are just not that fucking important. Bill Belichick, when I got got up to New England, I was blown away by how free the dress code was. Like, at practice, the dudes are wearing different colored tights, they're wearing different jerseys. Like, to your point, he's the greatest coach yeah. of all time, and he doesn't care about that bullshit. You know, he cares yeah. about the what gap are you in, winning. bro? <laughs> right, he cares yeah. about winning. Like, yeah. you're wearing all this different shit, and you're not doing what you need to do, yeah. then he's going to tighten up on you. But it's yeah. like... Yeah, you could you could dress up how you want to dress up. Yeah, just make sure you play football how you need yes. to play football. Exactly. Like, I remember dude. one of the guys was like, "Yeah, man, I got fined." Like one of my good friends was like, "Man, I got fined thirty G's for having a, my phone in my locker." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> like, that's why. Like, wh- how does that even how does that even help you win a football game? It doesn't. Uh, what are Mike Tomlin's pet peeves though? Before we move on from Mike, no, nah, he's not. He's not a fan of you know people being late. So he don't like yeah. he don't like people being late. Yeah. And then uh and then one of the things he doesn't like is like he doesn't like to tell people to go. You know what I'm saying? So and like I remember uh in the media they were saying, uh, were you mad at George Pickens for like yelling to get the ball? And he was like, Hell no. He was like, I'd rather somebody be, I'd rather tell somebody to woe than sick him. Yeah. You know, you like I'd rather like pull you back and tell you to calm right. down than actually like, hey, I need you to I need the dog to come out of you. You know, yeah. so he he hates trying to like push the dog out of players. All right, like, that's a good one. Give me the top three dogs you played with in 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 Pittsburgh, because that because we you and I both know what that word means. It's the highest compliment you can give a guy. So obviously, it's, it's so TJ was very young when I was there. So so I'm gonna have to go with obviously. It's it's hard, man, because I like on my teams it was good teams. It was all so, dogs. Uh, <laughs> so like so obviously, AB is is one of them. Obviously. Yeah. Cam Hayward on the defensive side, you know, we had Ben. Um, but the, the the people that I had to fight with all the time was like Le'Veon mm-hmm. on the offensive side, Le'Veon, A.B., and, and Pouncey. Oh, yeah, Pouncey. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. extra. He's going to be in your <laughs> shit. Yeah. And then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, guys will be like Cam Hayward, uh, somebody that will be like Ike Taylor, and then Mike Mitchell. Like, I Mike. feel like all those, yeah, all those were like guys that like, you know, uh, like always brought a little bit extra. Vince Williams like that as well. But it's like guys yeah. always brought a, a little bit extra. And yeah. like Coach Tomlin is all for that. Yeah, it's funny. When when Bill used to get ready for the Steelers, I didn't know this. The Mitchell's nickname was Hitman. Was it Hitman? Or something, something like, like that? that. Yeah. yeah, and he used to be like, we got fucking Hitman coming downhill here. And uh, he, <laughs> he used to ha- kind of hate the Steelers, but he you could tell he enjoyed getting ready for the Steelers and he would talk about all the guys and shit. Um, the, but Pat Steelers, not a rivalry. I mean, it's a rivalry, but the real rivalries are in the AFC North, right? So, yeah. Rank it's a rivalry for people in Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's a rivalry for people in Pittsburgh. It is a rivalry. Okay. But it's not It's not on the level of. Yeah. You know, Ravens. You, and, yeah. yeah. Who do you hate the most in the AFC North? The Ravens? Obviously, obviously it's the Ravens. It's, it's definitely the Ravens. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, but then, and then, so what's crazy is Cincinnati is good at football now. Yeah, so it's crazy. So uh it used to be Ravens, Brown, Cincinnati. 
Uh, Ravens, yeah. Ravens, Cincinnati, Browns. And Browns, I just don't understand. Like, they have all the talent in the world, and they just can't win. Ever. Yeah. It's like, it's weird. Yeah. So, but it's always the Ravens. Like, even last week, we lost, we lost to the Ravens when we definitely should have won that game. Yeah. You know, so it's always Ravens. It's always going to be the our toughest game. And then the next game will be, uh, right now, it'll probably be Cincinnati. Yeah, do you do you have do you have a hard time appreciating Joe Burrow, or is that is that easy because he's so good, or are you just like like oh fuck this guy, man, jeez. I think uh, the, so. The guy that bothers me more is Lamar than Joe yeah. Burrow, but the Steelers, but the Steelers don't have like the, the, Lamar is zero and four versus Steelers, right? So that actually you know, makes so you feel better. It makes you feel better. Joe Burrow, it it, it it sucks because like Joe Burrow has all the weapons. Yeah. So. You know, if Joe Burrow had Lamar weapons, I don't know if, if we'll be saying the same thing. Like, yeah. Joe Burrow has the best receiver core possibly in the NFL. Yeah. You know, so uh, – and then he's all – he's just a dog. So, Joe Burrow, I, I I appreciate great football. I don't care what division you was in, what right. team you play for. I appreciate good football. So, I, I to me, I worry more about Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is literally a game breaker. So, like, yes. basically – you could be winning a game, and then Lamar Jackson makes one person miss, and now he's going for the races. You know, yep. so I think that scares me a little bit more than a quarterback because with a quarter with Joe Burrow, if we get enough pressure on him, then you know you can cancel a quarterback out. You know who was the biggest dog on those Ravens teams on offense to me was Marshall Yonda. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's a dog. He was on yeah, your ass, dude. The whole play, just following you around, like you would always get a late shove, and I'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> I know who it is. No, it's definitely no. I, I hated him. I hated him. I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I, he he should be a Hall of Famer. Yes, I agree. I agree with you, especially because you know they were pretty damn good, and he was on that team. So, um, all right, the injury, man. You know, I think a lot of people. Do you ever get tired of talking about the injury? You 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 look at it as like a way to, you know, impart some strength on people. I think now it's more uh, I can impart strength on people. Yeah, but it was a point where. I didn't want to talk about it. And, you know, I'm five years away from the injury now. So it allows me to be able to talk about it. It allows me to be able to provide strength, uplift people. But it, there was a moment where I was getting tired of talking about it for a little while. I, I wouldn't uh, – yeah. I just felt for you, man. Like, I loved watching you play. I loved watching those games. I mean, holy shit, those games were violent. Do you remember what the – was, was what was the most violent memory besides your injury of of those games and and did anybody cross the line in those games where you were like I oh, was a little too much? My most violent memory was probably when I hit Giovanni Bernard, and the reason I say that is because I didn't actually try to hit him that hard. A lot of people were saying I was trying to be dirty, yeah. but you you know as a defender sometimes sometimes you're running so fast at somebody it's like can't slow down. It's like you can't slow down. <laughs> you know, can't so, adjust levels and, either. Yeah, you can't. It just. It was like he he when he got the ball, I was running. I was trying to get there so fast, and when he made his cut, I was boom right there. So yeah, uh, that was probably one of the hardest hits I ever made, and it wasn't like intentionally trying to hurt him or anything. But it just that was probably one of the most violent plays I've ever I've ever, ever been a part of. So I'll say that play because you could hit people so damn hard. Like when you hit people, 
like before your injury, were you ever concerned about your head, or were you? you did you ever like you got a hard head or something? Because I'm like, damn, some of the way you, I was like, damn, this dude. Because I know sometimes I'll hit somebody with a run and start, and I'm like, man, I really appreciate what these linebackers do because us, we're all like sub concussive blows, yeah. like you know, a foot away from each other, just bang, bang, yeah. bang. You, you always, you brought it from wherever you were on the field. Like, did, were you ever concerned, or how did you manage that fear if there was any? No, so the thing is, that's crazy, is I, I knew that, like, naturally I ducked my head when I used to tackle. Yeah. So every every single practice after practice, like, and you can go, like, guys that play with me, they'll let you know. I used to finish practice, every single practice, like, do, like, uh, bag drills, go over the bag, yeah. and then run and tackle the tackle dummy after literally every practice. Like, right. except for practices where we didn't have uh, – our pads on like on Fridays and Saturday, yes. Saturday practices and stuff. Yep. But every practice I would do the tackling dummy and then try to get my head across every time. Cause I would right. just like get my head across and keep my head up yes. because I was like, man, I know I, I naturally drop my head. So I was like trying to practice it every single day. And it just, you know, so I, I, I went out my way to try to practice it. And unfortunately, you know, you know, things happen. So what do you remember about that moment? The thing that's so crazy about that moment is when I made that tackle, you know how the NFL is trying to make rules where guys have to move their head and adjust how they're tackling. And so when somebody's running at you full speed, I was in my head, I was like, Oh, this is a super easy tackle. It's a drag route. As a linebacker, a drag route is not a hard tackle to make. You know, it was a super easy tackle. And he, he did a drag route. And when I was doing a driver, I was running to him and in my head. I don't normally think about how I'm going to tackle somebody. I just ran up and tackled them. If they were, if I seen the ball exposed, I'm going to run up and just try to strip the ball. But I didn't really think about, all right, this is how I'm about to tackle them. This is going. A lot of times when I made a big hit, I didn't say, oh, I'm about to hit this dude hard. I just hit him. You know, some guys may think that way, but I never did. Right. So when I when I made this tackle, I was running, and when I made it, I was saying, oh, I think this is a good time for me to actually try to practice on what the NFL is saying, like get my head across and actually get my head out of the way and try to make a form tackle. So like that's the one time in my career I actually thought about how I was going to tackle somebody. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Damn, dude. And you, and you would it burn right away, the whole thing? or it, No, so like basically I just, you know, I hit him and I dropped to the ground and I had like a burning <laughs> sensation in the middle of my back. And, you know, from that point on, I just didn't know what to do from there. You, you just, Damn, dude. I thought it was more like a stinger, like I had a stinger or something. Yeah. And, you know, then I went to the hospital. They told me I was going. You know, I was paralyzed and I had a spinal cord injury. Damn, dude. So, did you think when you went to the hospital, you were like, "I'm not going to walk anymore," or was it just like, "I'm t- taking it one day at a time"? I, I was more like, "I'm taking it one day at a time" because I was thinking of it being like a stinger. So, if I take it one day at a time, I was, I was in my head. You know, this is very like a, a serious stinger. So, I'm probably going to be back in like a week, two weeks. I can't walk right now, but I'll be yeah. all right. And then I had to have surgery. Then after my surgery, I ended up getting really sick. When I got really sick, and I I threw up in the uh, on my bed, and and I couldn't move out of the way, and it hit me back in my face. I was, I was saying to myself, "Yeah, I'm I'm hurt a lot worse than I think I I am." And that's when I started to really lock in and say, "Hey, I need to start locking in on this on this rehab and get better." Like accepting that it's going to be a longer process than you thought. Yeah. Yeah. How was your mental, man? Because like I feel like that happened, and we're right at the point now where, as athletes, like we we talk about this stuff, right? Because like more people are talking about, hey, you know, um, I you know I'm I'm anxious about this. I might be depressed. I might be whatever. But 
I would imagine me going through that, that would test every fiber in my body, you know, not just physically, but mentally too. And I wonder if you like leaned on anybody from a, from a, you know, did you, did you see somebody, did you talk to somebody to kind of help you through that process? Not the rehab process. Cause I know that was an everyday grind, but like to take care of your mental as well. It was more of a, like, I was, I'm a, I'm a very positive person. You know, you, this is your first time meeting me, but I'm a very positive person. So as I was going through my injury, it was, it's just a, a battle of ups and downs. It was like a roller coaster because with me being positive, I, no matter what I was going through, I was still uplifting. I was still just no matter what, I'm going to overcome this. I kind of treated it like going to the NFL. A lot of people say I would not get there and I will overcome it. That's kind of how my mindset was. But I did have moments of depression. I did have moments of anxiety. I was struggling, you know, to watch football. The year I got hurt was the year I was supposed to get my contract. So to think about that I'm, I'm. It's the same time I'm supposed to be getting a contract, and I see guys at my position making ninety million dollars, eighty million dollars. Literally, if I played four more games, I would have had that. You know, so yeah. that was something. That was something that really kind of stressed me out and kind of helped. Like, it was really tough for me to deal with. But after a while, and just understanding what the dynamic was, I was able to overcome it. Man, dude, and I know I heard stories about Vince Williams being all shook up in the locker room and just the – and we've been through that because you've seen guys get knocked out and we've seen teammates really fucked up and, you know, like it's like, man, it's crazy. we got to go right back out there. Yeah. I mean, I I just can't even imagine be, being your guy. Like if we knew each other and we were teammates, man, I would be – I would have a hard time going back out there. You know, it's uh, – yeah. Damn. But Yeah, Cam and Vince, it was, it was tough for them when I was dealing with the injury because Vince – Vince is one of my closest friends. You know, me and him talk all the time to this day. And we talked almost every day or every other day when I was playing. So, yeah, I, like, I was in Vince's wedding, you know. Yeah. So it was just like that's like, – we're really good friends. So it's just – yeah, it definitely – it shook him up pretty bad. I ended up seeing that after the fact, you know. Jeez, man. In 2018, when you when you walked across the stage, bro, that had to just be – I mean, it gave me chills. I I watched it this morning just to watch it again. I mean, it's it was incredible. I mean, there's a you're a year out, but you're less than a year out from your injury, yeah, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it was less than a year out, and I wanted to do that just to basically tell a lot of people that was praying for me and wishing the best for me, just thank you because I know a lot of prayers were sent out, a lot of uh, love was sent out, and I just wanted just to let people know that I'm getting better, but also just like thank you for the prayers that you sent out, just the, the love that you showed me, and just to just to show that I'm getting better because I, to me it was like a milestone just to, to walk out there on the stage in front of a lot of people. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, and now five years later, what what's living with you know that injury in the rearview mirror? I'm sure it's still like a part of your life. Like you know, do you get? How do you feel day to day, and what can you do physically now? So I can do a lot of stuff physically. I can't really, I can't run as if I used to run. I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I can work out. I kind of do in-home workouts and things like that. But I'm I'm not really a super active guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I just try to stay in, in, in good shape. I might do the elliptical or the bike or, you know, a few. I'm not, I never was a big, like, push weight guy. So, yeah. I, like, to me, to me, I still don't like to do it that much. Yeah, so you were always lean. Yeah, I was always lean, so I'm not a real I'm not a real big weight guy. So even when me and my wife try to work out, I'm not 
real fond of working out like that yeah. when it comes to pushing weights. Yeah. But I can kind of, you know, work out with my wife and then uh, just pretty much the everyday things that natural people do, just walking and, yeah. you know, just playing with their kids. And I can do all that. Though, is, so it st- is it still like, do you feel it up high? Do you feel it down low? Like where is most of that? Like, damn, my neck so hurts I, today. So I really don't have as much pain. Yeah. Uh, but when I do have it, it's kind of in the middle of my back. I have a little bit of back soreness. Yeah. But I don't. I don't really have much pain anymore, which is a blessing. But like right now, I'm a little bit sore. Yeah. But I normally, I normally don't really have pain, which is a huge blessing for me. Can you get Cairo? Like, is that something that, like you can't get cracked, or can you get cracked? Like, are there special rules kind of with with your injury? Yeah, I can't. I can't get Cairo. But I just have to let them know where. I'm having some issues at or yeah. where they can't, you know, crack my back at. But I can't get cryo though. Fuck, dude. My, I need some Cairo right now, and I can't complain. I'm talking to you on the goddamn Zoom. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. No, I know, I, I know exactly what you mean because I, I go through it too. Especially when I, I see one for a while, then I don't yeah. see them for a few weeks. Yep. You can definitely tell the difference. Yep, no question. No question, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're fucking doing awesome, man. I mean, uh, I want to talk to you about Luke Fickle real quick. Uh, he, he was uh, somebody that I know you got to know, and uh, he got he got the job up at Wisconsin, right? And um, this feels like a really good fit. Why is it a good fit, and what kind of leader was he? Uh, he he's a great leader, and the reason I say that is because the way he loved his players, he's somebody that's going to always put his, his foot out for his players. He's always going to defend his players. If you're going to throw a jab at his players, you're throwing it at him first. Yeah. And so – I know a lot of his players are going to love him for that. I know they're going to – he's going to gain a lot of their trust because of that. And he's a very blue-collar, hard-working, gritty guy. So when it comes to Wisconsin, that's the type of ball they like to play. Obviously, Wisconsin loves to run run the ball, so he's going to have them being a very physical, hard-running team. I'm, I'm going to be – I can almost guarantee that his team is going to be – kind of constructed how the Tennessee Titans are. They don't have a Derrick Henry, but I can definitely see them being constructed how the Tennessee Titans are and the way they play ball. That's definitely, he's he's got a lot of Rabel in him. I mean, those two yeah. guys, I mean, yeah. And Rabel's best friend, man. So. Yeah, you can tell he's, yeah. Rabel's awesome. Were you surprised by the struggles Urban had in the pros? You know, thinking about your college coach, I know you, you had committed to him and then he came back and coached Ohio State. I know it's really hard for college coaches to project like Matt Rule's struggle with it, but Urban's struggles were pretty big. Were you surprised by that? So the, the biggest reasons I had I, I knew that it was going to be a little bit up and down for Coach Meyer is because Coach Meyer and Coach Saban, and there's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of successful pro coach, I mean, in a, uh, college coaches, they have a lot of control over, like, the the players. And I'm not saying in, this in a bad way, but I think when you're younger, you need somebody that's kind of telling you what to do, kind of having an eye on everything you do. And in the NFL, you don't have as much say right. on the guys, on what they do. And if, if somebody is uh, a starter and they're not playing, if they're making a lot of money and they're not playing, then you have to ask a, a, a lot of other questions. And to me, I feel that's not – that wasn't Coach Mario's strength. Right. I feel his strength is more uh, dealing with uh, guys that he can touch a little bit more, to mold them a little bit more. Because by the time they get to the NFL, they're molded already. So – in the NFL, you don't get as much um, – in the college, you don't get as much pushback from the players as you do in the NFL. So I can definitely – I, I can see that's kind of why he might have had some struggles. 
last question for Ryan Shazier and Grace, real graceful with time. Um, Kenny Pickett, is he the guy? I think he might be the guy. What do you think? You watch him just as I, I, much as me and more. I think I think Kenny Pickett is a guy, and the reason I say that is because if Kenny plays this game this week, I'm not saying anything bad about Mitch, but we would have won this game. Yep. And and the reason I say that is because Kenny is starting to get a better relationship with his receivers. He's starting to trust his receivers. He's starting to trust his old line. He understands when he's in trouble. Obviously, the play he got hurt, his old line didn't block a soul. Right, right. But it happens. He, 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 but it happens. It's part of the game. But I think Kenny is the guy because after the bye week, he, he wasn't turning the ball over. He's understanding how to get everybody involved. Yep. He understand if a receiver is mad, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna make sure I get you the rock." I'm a, you know, if if somebody is upset, I'm gonna get you the rock. So he's doing a better job of that. I just think that he needs to just have a little bit more protection around him. If he has protection around him, we have the weapons. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, man, George Pickens is a dog. He's incredible. He's he's a really good player. Pat Fryer move. I think in two or three more years, it's going to be a top five tight end, if not already a top five tight end. And then Najee Harris, you can see in the back half of the year, he's running the ball a lot better. At the beginning of the year, he was hurt. The back half of the year, he's running a lot better. So our offense is getting along. We just have to have a better running game. If we have a better running game, I think Kenny Pickett's the guy because he he understood what were bad plays, what were bad throws, what were mistakes that he made in the first half of the season, and I don't think he's going to make those anymore. Yeah, I think – getting more out of Najee Harris, who's already given you a lot, but at times I know the fans have been impatient, you know, but the situation hasn't been perfect for him. You know, it wasn't perfect his rookie year, and it's definitely not perfect now. So I look forward to seeing him getting some more burn, and then I do think Kenny Pickett's a guy. I like I like all the intangibles. Ryan Shazier, appreciate the time. you got to check him out on uh, Don't Call It a Comeback with Dave Damashek, my good friend. These guys, man, I never met Ryan, but he's a fucking man, dude. I appreciate you. I'll come on the show anytime, dude. I uh, appreciate you, Chris, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Talk to you soon. You know, I'm not an athlete anymore per se. I did just join a softball league, uh, but I'm a podcaster, and to podcasters, gut health is very important. My morning routine is very important. My breakfast is very important. Walking downstairs to the kitchen to the song Narco is very important to me, but nothing is more important than drinking AG1. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great and I wanted to find a nutritional drink that could add to my daily routine to improve my gut health and energy. I just rip it open and it's over with. I don't have to mix a bunch of stuff, it's easy. I've been on it for six months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, which is a good thing, it tastes really good. It kind of has a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. This is the best option for easy, optimal nutrition out there. You take one scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it, it's that simple. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is gonna give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash greenlight. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash greenlight to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
It's time to get your Cuts Essentials for next year. To us at Greenlight, nothing is more essential than some closet staples. That's why we go with Cuts. Not only are they some of the best clothes out there, but right now for the next few days only, they're running their 25 to 50% off site-wide sale. Cuts makes professional-looking performance apparel so you can feel comfortable at work or out on the town. Every Cuts shirt is designed to provide a perfectly tailored fit and they're insanely comfortable. Cuts has perfected the art and science of men's shirts, so you can throw one on and look great without ever thinking twice about it. We've been seeing cuts everywhere lately, and especially on NFL Sunday with Joe Burrow, Rob Gronkowski, Patrick Mahomes, all the goats, they're rocking cuts. That's what they're doing these days. Cuts has totally revolutionized the traditional outdated t-shirt category. They make it easy to mix and match styles and colors, so you can find the perfect style. Long sleeve Henley, no problem. Short sleeve crew neck, they've got it. Tees, hoodies, polos, and more are all available with cuts. These are some of the best quality shirts you'll ever own, and they're engineered to last. These aren't fast fashion shirts, these are cuts. Join hundreds and thousands of men who have already made the simple decision to elevate their wardrobe with cuts. Get 25 to 50% off your first order by going to cutsclothing.com slash greenlight. That's C-U-T-S clothing.com slash greenlight for up to 50% off the only shirt worth wearing. So you're up to date on White Lotus? I am, are you? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I was hoping to discuss it with a qualified individual. Well, you'll have to settle for me. See what we can do. So I didn't realize until recently that Mike White, who is the uh, director and producer of White Lotus, is also in School of Rock. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking Schneebly. about. Schneebly. He's Ned Schneebly. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was like, damn, this dude looks fucking familiar. Because I was watching the post finale, you know, discussion they have with like some of the actors and actresses mm-hmm. and stuff. Those are kind of fun. Uh, and yeah, so Mike White. But I'm a really big fan of his. I really liked that show. I thought it was a very enticing show. Great finale. Really want to know your thoughts. All right. Spoilers incoming for anybody listening out there. Spoilers incoming. Um, God, I was happy for those prostitutes. <laughs> yeah, I saw a really uh, funny tweet today. It was it was my girl Lucia, and it was like the lyrics from Monster, you know, where Cardi B or who is it? No, sorry, it's Nicki Minaj. She's like 50k mm-hmm. for a verse, no album out. <laughs> but like, yeah, they uh, the end scene with them, like you know, arm in arm, just fucking living the dream. Yeah, uh, and then they show that dude. And, yep. They show that dude who had like allegedly been her pimp or whatever, and then he's just like chilling there, and it's her friend. That was such a great shot. Yeah, I mean, she was pretty vocal the whole time about how you know she was gonna take take the Degras the Degrassi Degrasso men mm-hmm. for for everything they're worth she and did uh she did it i think that actress is going to become popular in america she'd only done italian stuff her name is simona tabasco yeah she was good she was really good i thought all the acting was really good you know the italian actors valentina um she uh she was really good too i didn't like her as much as the manager from season one but mm-hmm. that guy's a legend uh so Armand. yeah what Armand, what uh, what'd you think about the, you know, kind of the biggest climactic scene, Matt? So I was sad to see Tanya go down. 
but yeah. I liked the way that they did it. It was all kind of like believable. And like, first of all, we're all wondering like, who, what body are they going to find in the water, right? And right. so they start with the fight between uh, Cameron and uh, the other guy. And you're like, wait a minute, is this the body that they're going to find in the water? So there's like that little bit of mystery with that. But a lot then, of like, red herrings all season yeah, long. Yeah, good word. Um, and then like Tanya throughout the show has been kind of like aloof and unaware but she figures out what's ha happening and she like makes a good decision and grabs the bag and like takes it into her own hands and then just the way she goes down is just unfortunate but it's like i mean it's so darkly written. funny right exactly i wanted to see tanya make it out but i think i kind of had a sneaking suspicion it was going to be her and then i got deep into the you know the white lotus uh twitter stuff and mm -hmm. there there's some really good comparisons where you know when albie and the grandpa and dom and stuff were doing the godfather tour in the car yes uh the same dress you know tanya was wearing that same dress later so it was a little bit of foreshadowing but like well, and there was I'm also sad. like or they put oranges out at various times which like in the godfather when you see an orange there's a death incoming but like it wasn't clear if that was like a distraction or intentional or what yeah so i loved it and then the i mean i was sad to see tanya go but i'm i kind of laughed when she fell in just that thunk you know of her head yeah. in the boats like just After you know surviving. like she killed like three guys and then she like comes out of the comes out of the room in the boat just blasting and uh and the first thing she asked quentin is like you know, do you think Greg is having an affair? It's just so fucking funny to me. Like, the dude's, like, sitting there dying. Blood's gurgling out of his mouth. And, like, she mm -hmm. just killed his ass. And all she wants to know is if Greg is having an affair when it's, like, pretty clear that he set her up. Yeah. And I, uh, I love how they had, like, just one character arc continue from season one to season two. I wonder if they would do that again. For season and three. if so, like which character you'd like to see in season three? Yeah, and then the other the other thing too that's funny is like Portia and Jack, like so many red flags with this fucking dude, <laughs> and the one that finally kind of wakes Portia up because she's so clueless um, is the fact that he didn't have Instagram on his phone. Yeah, like she couldn't find his Instagram, and then her alarm bells are going off. You know, it's like, oh my god. She was and a little then, slow in uh, recognizing what was happening. The, there, I'd say the hilarious line too from Jennifer from Tanya, she's on the phone with Portia, and she's like, "Yeah, she's kind of fucking his uncle." Like, I was killed me. Um, but I thought they did a good job of making a couple things ambiguous. You know, like did Harper and Cameron hook up? Did they not hook up? You know, yeah, did Daphne I loved and the ambiguity. Ethan hook up? Did they not hook up? Like, what's going on here? Like, and Mike you know, White says he doesn't know either. Like, it's, yeah, that kind of makes it fun to, to talk about. You I, know, I think they. they all I think up. they all were fucking. <laughs> you know, um, but it's interesting. You know, the fact that the, the Aubrey Plaza's name, or husband, that's Ethan, right? He wasn't interested in her until Cameron yep. wanted her. You know, and it's just. I think it's funny so yeah. anyway really love that awesome. show there's a lot of good shows out right now happy to discuss that i don't know if this any of this is going to make it on the pod but it's kind i don't of know fun. either i don't know if you can see it right now but we have a brand new podcast desk here and it just makes me really happy that i got to sit at it before making nice dude mm -hmm. break that bad boy in you want to play a it's quick like, game real quick yeah what do you want to play all right so you can only keep one i'll give you or sorry one has to go. We'll call it start, bench, or cut. So I'll give you three things. You got to choose one you're going to start, 
which means like it's in your regular rotation. One you're going to bench, you can go back to it, and one you're going to cut. It's never again. Cool. All right. Airplanes, trains, and cars. I mean, you got to start cars, right? You got to cut so. trains and you got to bench planes. Okay. Airplane, I mean, just for like, I'm just talking about just for ease of, you know, getting around. Like, you kind of use a car most in America. That's how it goes. But uh, if there's better, you know, train, I love, love a good train ride. You know, I think Chris was telling me he took the train to Philly from Virginia, but I don't have access to a lot of good trains. So, yeah. He says it's his. One of his top three relaxation places. All right. Yeah, because you, you're you're only going one spot, you know. Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon Prime. Tough, very tough. All right, I'm gonna cut. Uh, I'm gonna cut Netflix. Oh. Yeah. Shocker. Who are you starting? I don't know. I might need to look. Like, what's on HBO Max? There's something on HBO Max right now that I'm loving. Amazon Prime has had some good shows, though. The Peripheral is very good. Um, I think I'm probably going to start HBO Max. I'm an HBO Max loyalist. They've been kind of fucking up the streaming content lately, which is annoying. Like, I just read that they're going to take, like, Westworld off. Uh, yeah, I saw Which that. I'm fucking annoyed about because I like that show, and they discontinued it. But a lot, of, a lot H- of rumors about HBO Max potentially going away, but I, I think they have I the know. best I think they're trying to, service. They're trying there's to combine actually, it with some Discovery stuff, too. There's a comedy on there called The Sex Lives of College Girls. It it's is a great hilarious. show. It's Mindy Kaling. Yeah, I love yeah. that show. Dude, she is such a good writer. Like When you go back, she wrote the most off episodes of The Office of anybody. And now right. this show that's, like I think, clearly, at least in part, based on her own experience in college, is so funny. Right. There's another couple of good shows on HBO right now that I've been fucking stoked about. So anyway, start HBO Max, cut Netflix. Netflix has not been doing it for me lately. I actually did like Wednesday. <laughs> it's kind of a guilty pleasure. Um, oh, His Dark Materials, I'm stoked on. Um, HBO Max, I'm stoked on that. And then obviously White Lotus we talked about. And then low-key sleeper pick is The Established Home with Gene Stouffer is an interior design show from a designer Ooh. that I really like. So check that out. Um, and I actually think Amazon Prime has some decent shows right now too. But Netflix has not been scratching that itch for me lately. <laughs> All right, one more since you're the uh, candy czar here at Greenlight. Ooh. Milky Way, Twix. Three Musketeers. Start Twix, cut Milky Way, bench Three Musketeers. Ooh. Okay. You want to know why? Sure. Milky Way is boring, man. That's just the that's the bottom line. It's a staple, but it's boring. Three Musketeers is really good, and the nougat part is great, but you can't just like crush a whole bag of fun size Three Musketeer. Twix, you give me like a sleeve of Twix. You know they come in these long mm-hmm. sleeves. I could just sit there and fucking. You know, right Twix, left Twix in my mouth, fucking till the till the cows come home. That's funny. I'm you not know, even a huge chocolate guy either, but uh, you know, Milky like Way it. is supposed to be a knockoff of like the Mars bar, the original Mars bar. But yeah, it's weird because Mars is named after a person, but Milky Way is trying to copy the idea of like Mars the planet. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. nice. That's a good fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Has your pulse come down to a normal level at this point? <sighs> kind of, dude. I'm still feeling like my fucking a little out of breath. 
Had some thrilling pickleball games, though. Playing at a high level right now, Kingston. Nice, dude. Well, when you come to Charlottesville, we'll have to get some pickleball games in. Everybody here has been hot to trot. I don't know if any of us will be able to beat uh, Dr. Fax, who's been talking a lot of smack about his abilities. Oh, my God. I'll fucking whoop his cheeks, dude. I'm gonna fight you with my friends.